Thank you so much, choir. You found that little worksheet, I hope, by now. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me again this morning, please, to the last book in the Bible, uh, Revelation chapter 6. And perhaps by now your Bible is falling open there uh, as we're making our way. Of course, we've picked up the pace now that we've gotten to the second part of this study, a uh, study we're calling Fast Forward. And just like you would press the fast forward button on your remote control at home, we're able to fast forward to the end of time as we study this book together. Now, to be quite honest with you, this morning's message is going to be heavy. There are probably some who would like to push the stop button instead of the fast forward button uh, when it comes to this uh, study. But don't please. But before we push the fast forward button today, we need to push the pause button for a moment. And I want to set up this passage for you. We're going to study today, Revelation chapter 6. We've spent the last couple of times in our study together in the very throne room of God, worshiping and praising the one on the throne and the lamb who was slain. And we saw last time that the lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, was the only one that was worthy to take this special scroll that was in the father's hand. This this scroll, it was sealed with seven seals. And Jesus Christ is the only one worthy to take the scroll and to open the scroll. And here in chapter six, he's going to begin to open the scroll and break those seals. Okay. And we're going to see today the unleashing of God's wrath upon those who are unbelievers. Now, listen. You're not going to walk away this morning and shake my hand in a few minutes in the lobby and say, I really enjoyed that preacher. You're not going to do that today. I didn't necessarily enjoy studying this passage this past week. I don't think I'm going to enjoy preaching this message today. I don't think you're going to enjoy hearing today's message. Now, how's that for a setup for a sermon? Aren't you excited? I'm not going to enjoy preaching it. You're not going to enjoy hearing it. But listen. Now, while we may not enjoy what we're about to study, we have to study it. Can I go a step further? We need to study it. We need to understand it. And we need to properly respond to this passage. So please do not shut me down. Do not shut me off. But I wanted to warn you, today's message is going to be heavy. In fact, let me just go ahead and tell you what today's theme is, what the message is all about. In the nutshell, it's this. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And Revelation chapter 6 tells us very clearly that judgment is coming. Now, some may have a hard time with this whole idea of God judging or Jesus judging. I mean, isn't God a God of love? Well, yes. A million times, yes, God is a God of love. But he's also a God of justice. And he's also a God of holiness. And to be quite honest, beloved, aren't you glad that you serve a God who will one day set the wrongs right? Who one day will punish unrepentant evildoers? Who will one day execute vengeance? He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, thus saith the Lord. I think the reason that we struggle so much with this whole idea about God being a God who will judge and Jesus judging is because we don't understand righteous Pure, holy justice and judgment. You see, when God judges, when God brings about judgment, when he punishes, he's not flying off the handle. He's not losing his temper. 
He's not lashing out in unbridled, sinful anger. Now, we think about judgment and justice a lot of times in that regard. And sometimes we're guilty of doing that, flying off the handle and being angry. But his justice and his judgment, beloved, listen, is perfectly righteous. And listen, it's good. All that God does is good. And so because of our sin, because of our humanity, we have a hard time wrapping our arms around sometimes that God is a God of love, but he's also a consuming fire. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice and judgment. But nonetheless, we learn here that God is a God of judgment and justice. Now, there's something else we remember as we come to this passage, and that's this. When we're about to see these judges, you have to remember that what we are about to read comes after a very long time frame. God, even right now, is being patient and he's being long suffering and merciful. He's extended grace and salvation to all who will receive it. But sad to say, some will not receive his mercy. Some will not receive his grace. Some will not receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Warren Wearsby noted, if men and women will not yield to the love of God and be changed by the grace of God, there's no way for them to escape the wrath of God. God has offered the remedy. God has given his son. God has given grace and mercy and and all these wonderful gifts. But each person must individually receive them. And some will not receive them. Some reject them. And some shake their little fists in the face of Almighty God. And so there's coming a day of justice. And there's coming a day of judgment. But there's something else. Listen, if you're a Christian today, you need to keep something very important in mind before we read this passage. And that's this. What we're about to read will not fall upon you, Christian. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, these things are not going to impact you personally. At least not physically. They'll probably impact you emotionally this morning. They may burden your heart today, and I hope it will. But you will not experience this physically. Why? Because if you're a Christian, you've got to remember, where is the church during this time? When we get to Revelation chapter 6, where's the church? The church, are, they're in heaven with Jesus. The one who's opening the seals. And unleashing the wrath of God. We're there with Jesus. We're worshiping and praising. We've seen that uh, chapters uh, 4 and chapters 5. And now we come to chapter 6. And he's about to unleash the wrath of God. But we're not here, church. Those who know Jesus, we're not here. We're with Jesus. We won't face this stuff. But those who do not know God will. Now let's give two quick housekeeping items. First of all, I gave you that chart. Several weeks ago, kind of a broad overview. And uh, there's another copy on the back table if you didn't get one. Where are we on that chart? Well, very quickly, we're starting right in here. The rapture's already taking place. We're in heaven with the Lord Jesus. There may be a brief time, but the tribulation is about to begin. That's where we find ourselves here. And then I gave you a chart, a worksheet. That looks like this. And I want to show it to you real quickly. You want to keep that for the rest of our study. Why? Because it will help you keep your bearings of where you are. Because John's focus is going to switch back and forth between earth and heaven. Earth and heaven. We're going to see that in chapter 6 today. We're going to begin focusing on the earth. Then we'll go back and focus on what's going on in heaven. And then go back to what's focusing on what goes on on the earth. And so if you'll keep that, it takes us through uh, chapter 20. You can kind of follow along. So we know as we go to chapter 6 today, verses 1 through 8, we're looking at towards the earth. 
But then in verses 9 through 11, we're looking back in heaven. And then in verses 12 through 17, we're looking back on earth. It just helps to keep your bearings, if you will. And then I've given you kind of a, another outline there of the judgments. We're going to see, first of all, the seal judgments, which will result in the trumpet judgments, which result in the bowl judgments. And you see the tribulation time. The first three and a half years and the great tribulation is often referred to the last three. And if that's just something you keep in your Bible, keep near revelation as you're studying, as you're reading, it'll help keep your bearings and know where you're at and where you're going and what's going on as we study this book. And you'll see how that plays out uh, as we study today. Now, all honesty, instead of having you stand and read, I want to read the passage to you today because I want to emphasize some things as I read it. And I want you to follow along as I read Revelation chapter 6. As you think about the idea that judgment is coming. John writing here in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says in Revelation chapter 6 verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? The Lord Jesus, right? I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures. Remember those creatures near the throne of God. One of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come and see another horse. Fiery red went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. When he'd opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name on him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the souls of those who've been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were, was completed. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth, as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us 
from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? You notice there that we focused upon the earth, then briefly back in heaven and then back on the earth. Six of the seven seals are open in this chapter. And I think the most logical thing for me to do today is to walk you through each one of those seals and to walk you through what's going on during this time. In the first four seals, we have four horses and riders which appear. And they're often referred to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Maybe you've heard that before. So he opens seal number one. And on seal number one, there appears a white horse in verses one and two. It says a white horse, verse two, who sat on it, had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, some believe that this is Jesus. Because he later on in the book is he appears riding a white horse. But this is not Jesus. Jesus is the one standing there with the scroll and is opening the scroll and breaking the seal. Now, some see this first horse as a picture of false peace. But I believe what we have here is the Antichrist. Satan's imitation for Christ. Anti meaning against or instead of this world ruler who is coming. We read about him with various titles in the scripture. David Jeremiah wrote that he will overtly oppose Christ and at the same time pass himself off as Christ. He says he'll be the most powerful dictator the world has ever seen. Now listen, making Caesar, Hitler, Mao and Saddam seem weak and tame by comparison. The Antichrist. David Jeremiah calls him Satan's superman. And I believe the one you have riding on this very first horse is interesting. As Antichrist, he appears on a white horse as he's the imitation of Christ. And he's representing uh, all that's evil and wicked and so forth. But he passes himself off as good, right? He's riding a white horse. Dark prince on a white horse, he's been described. So you have this white horse appear, and I believe it's the Antichrist. And it's interesting that says he was given there a bow. The arrows are not mentioned. And a crown. And he went out conquering and to conquer. So we have the white horse, the Antichrist. Then we have the second seal is open. And when the second seal is open, there appears a red horse. Look at verse four. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And so obviously the red horse is the the horse of war. Notice the rider is holding a great sword. Peace is taken from the earth. People are killing one another. Imagine. You know, we look around today and we see all that going on in our world. But imagine on a large scale as the judgment of God is falling. And we see that this red horse of war rides out. Then we get to the third seal and we have a black horse. Verse five, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. Now, these would be scales that would measure, you know, the old timey scales, if you will. And you put something and you see the balance. We find a voice goes out in heaven where it says basically in verse six, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the harm, the oil and wine in the King James. It probably says what penny. And that's a little bit misleading. 
It's literally denarius. We think about, well, a quarter oil, a quarter oil, a quarter of uh, wheat and a quarter of this for uh, a penny. That's a good deal. No, it's a denarius. It's the idea of a day's wage. In other words, a man will work all day just to get a little bit of food. If he can get a better quality food, but then say, well, I've got to feed more. He gets the barley. It's a less quality. He'll work. It's the idea of famine. The New Living Translation puts it this way. And I heard a voice among the four living beings say a loaf of wheat bread or three barley loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil and wine. The black horse, of course, is the horse of famine. Famine breaking out in the land. Famine breaking out in the world. And so we see the Antichrist rise out. After him is the war horse, the red horse. After that, the black horse. Which is famine. And then we have what's described here as a pale horse in verse 8. A pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. So we don't have to guess who the rider of this one is. Death is riding on the pale horse. And Hades followed at, with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sore, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Now it says pale there. It's literally the idea of yellowish green. It's the color of death. You've ever been around someone who's died? You understand that. Well, what is this preacher? Well, this is death. Death is riding along and Hades or the grave is, as it were, walking behind, gobbling up the victims. And it says clearly there that one fourth of the world's population are going to die. Now, think about that for a moment. One fourth of the world's population. So we have the four horsemen, the apocalypse. And then our attention turns from the earth back to heaven when we get to seal number five. And in seal number five, we have the martyrs in heaven, verses nine through eleven. It says that they were under the altar. Those who have been slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held, they're crying out for, for vengeance. Now, these are not the martyrs. I don't believe they're the martyrs from the church age. They're not the men and women that are dying right now. Why? Because they've already been raptured, given their glorified bodies. These are those who have been killed early on during the tribulation. There are obviously saints who will die in the tribulation. And not only these, but more are going to die. Because the voice says, listen, you just rest a little while longer till the rest of the people that are going to be put to death are put to death. And people will get saved during this time. And many people will die for their faith during this time. And they're crying out and God will bring about justice. But he says, wait a little bit longer. But they're given white robes and told to rest a little bit longer. And so we see the four horsemen looking towards the earth. Then we look back in heaven. He sees the altar, the tribulation, martyrs crying out for vengeance. And then we turn again toward the earth. And we find in the verses 12 through 14, what we'll call seal six cosmic disturbances. And this is disturbing stuff. It says that when he opened the sixth seal, verse 12, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became like blood. Stars of heaven fell to the earth. Uh, The sky receded as a scroll. Every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And I got to remember something now, beloved. This is not even eternal hell. This is hell on earth. This is going on on the earth. As judgment's being unleashed. And so let's review where we are as we look at it. And I told you, this is, this is heavy stuff, isn't it? 
that this is not this is not fun stuff. But we've got to understand this and, and be impacted by this. Let me let me share some truths, some notes from my uh, professor at Luther Rice Seminary University, J.B. Uh, uh, Hickson. He helps us here. Here's the review where we are. You have the white horse. That's the introduction of the Antichrist. He comes riding on the white horse. Behind him is the red horse. Antichrist is granted authority to take peace from the earth. That's the war horse. On the black horse, Antichrist brings about famine. The pale horse, Antichrist brings death of one quarter of the world's uh, population. And then we go to the fifth seal. You have the prayer of revenge. Would you please avenge us, O God, from the tribulation martyrs? And then you get to the sixth seal and you have these earthquake and, and the cosmic disturbances and the, the sky rolling back and, and, and the, the stars falling and all these things going on. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, preacher, this just doesn't sound right. Where is the meek and lowly Jesus? Where's that little lamb that was slain? Look at verse 16. The people on the earth are crying out to the rocks and mountains. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. Now watch the next part. And from the wrath of the what? The lamb. We talked about last time. Worthy is the lamb. And he is worthy. I entitled this morning's message. Wrathful. Is the lamb. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? A wrathful lamb. You don't have to talk about a lamb and wrath in the same sentence. But here we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Executing the wrath of God. We say, well, this doesn't sound right. Where's Jesus? He's right there. And by the way, if you go back and read your Bible. And look at what the Lord Jesus says. He talks about these very things. Review real quick the seal judgments we're studying right now. Antichrist is unveiled. People kill one another. Scarcity of food. Quarter of the population dies. Martyrs cry out for justice. Cosmic disturbances. That's what's going on in Revelation chapter 6. If we go back and look at Jesus' Olivet Discourse, the words that Jesus spoke. And by the way, we could, uh, we could look at them in various Gospels. We're going to look, focus basically on Matthew Account, And I want you to see what Jesus said, what Jesus talked about. If you look in his Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, here's what Jesus talked about. Number one, there's going to be false Christ. Boy, that lines up, doesn't it? Number two, there'll be war. Number three, there'll be famine. Number four, there'll be death. Number five, there'll be martyrdom. And number six, there'll be cosmic signs. We don't have time to go back and read that passage. Go back and read Matthew 24 as you think about Revelation 6 and see how it all lines up. You'll also find the Olivet Discourse in Mark chapter 13 and Luke chapter 2. Now, we have all of this hell on earth. This is not even eternal hell. This is not hellfire and damnation forever and eternity. This is hell on earth. We haven't gotten to hell proper yet. This is the tribulation time. And so how does man respond? How does lost man respond? What's interesting in verses 15 through 17, all this is going on in verse 15. It says in the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, those who are the who's who, those who are somebody, those in power. And not only them, every slave and every free man, all people, what do they do? It says they hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. 
They start praying, but did you notice who they pray to? They don't pray to the Lamb. They don't pray to God. They pray to the mountains, to the rocks. Did you notice that? Verse 16, they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come, and who is able to stand? It was old Vance Habner who said that the day would come when the most expensive piece of real estate would be a hole in the ground. Think about that. I wonder when it talks about the sky receding, if they can see the Lamb and see God. I'm not sure. But they know where it's coming from. And rather than running to the arms of God, rather running to mercy, crying out to God, they run from God, try to hide from God and cry out to even God's creation to hide us, to fall on us, to protect them. But did you notice the question at the very end of the passage? The last words, who is able to stand? Beloved, without Jesus, no one will stand. Without Jesus, judgment is coming. It is horrific. It is hellish. It is horrible. It's inevitable. It's unavoidable. They'll not be able to flee from it, get away from it. Judgment is coming. But here's the thought today for us. And it's this. Are you ready? Are you ready? The only way to be ready for this is to know Jesus. Why? Because we know that you'll go home to be with Jesus. And you won't go through this. You need to know Jesus. He took God's wrath for you. He died in your place. You don't have to face this. You don't have to face hell afterward. Come to Jesus. He took God's wrath for you. The Bible says all have sinned. All of us are guilty. All of us are undone. Nothing we can do. But he said, I love you. I'll send my son to die in your place. If you'll simply turn from your sin and place your faith, your trust in my son, I will forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll make you a child of God. I'll take you home to heaven one day. You won't face this. You won't face hell. You'll face an eternity forever with me. Are you ready? Do you realize, beloved, the rapture could happen today? And those of us who know Jesus, go home and be with Jesus. And very soon, very shortly... The tribulation begins. We don't know exactly, but within a short amount of time, there are those in this room who could face these very things. Are you ready? How can you stand? The only way you can stand is stand in Jesus as you have him as you're safe. Are you ready? You say, well, I hope a lot of you can say yes. I hope others will be honest if you can and get it right today. But if you say, yes, I'm ready, let me ask you another question. Are those around you ready? Are those around you ready? Do they know Jesus? Does your spouse know Jesus? Your children? Do your friends know Jesus? Do your co-workers know Jesus? That lady at the grocery store you see all the time? That fellow at the gas station? The person you sit beside on the plane when you're traveling? That person that chats with you about the weather every time you go into that certain restaurant? Are they ready? Do they know Jesus? Are they going to face these things? Hell on earth and then hell afterward? Are they ready? Judgment is coming. Jesus could come today. 
Tribulation could begin very soon. Are you ready? Are those around you ready? If you're not ready today, would you come to Jesus? Say, preacher, what do I do? You just come to Jesus. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I take Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And you'll be ready. And then if you're ready, but those around you aren't ready, will you invite them to Jesus? Maybe you need to come today and cry out their name at this altar. And pray for wisdom and grace, help and wisdom. And reaching them for Jesus. Who can stand the wrath, the judgment of God? Who can stand only those who stand in Jesus, the Lamb of God? Father, I've proclaimed your word this morning. And our hearts are burdened today. I pray if anybody here is not ready at this very moment, as we begin singing this closing song, they'll come in faith and repentance and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then, Father, for those of us who know you, those of us who were ready, we're looking for Jesus to come, take us home to heaven. Would you open our eyes and our understanding and our heart today to look around us and realize we're surrounded by people who are not ready? That if Jesus were to come today, they would face many of these things. And then after this hell on earth, hell itself. Would you give us a fresh boldness, a fresh courage, a a, a fresh desire to be actively sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Father, would you help us to realize what is truly important in this world? What really matters? May we not squander our lives away upon trivial things. Upon things that are going to burn up. We know the things here are going to burn up. We see it. May we be involved in eternal matters and eternal truth. Bless this word to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Invitation's real simple today. If you need to know Jesus Christ, I'll be standing down front here as we sing this closing song. I'd love to put you with someone. They'll share Christ with you and lead you to Christ. I'd invite you to come and be ready. And then for those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe God has impressed somebody upon your heart, co-worker, friend, family, neighbor, uh, whoever it is. Maybe you want to come to this altar today and call their name out. You need to go out and talk with them and speak with them and contact them and call them, take them out to lunch. Do something to connect with them and share again the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you start right here in this place as you... Surrender yourself afresh and say, oh, God, give me a heart for souls. Open my eyes. Save. You insert the name and use me to reach them for Christ. Is it clear? You need to be saved today. You come. You want to pray for others to be saved. You come.
307, just as I am, as we close, you come as from the very first word, 307, just as I am. Amen.